Galatians 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astounded that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Amen. Thank you, Liz. That's the word of the Lord for us this morning, church. Let's be in an attitude of prayer. Father God, we come to you this morning humbly asking for wisdom and guidance through your word. Um, Lord, I pray uh, for those who have been hurt, those of us who have been hurt by um, legalism, uh, those adding to or taking away from the gospel. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would draw near to you and not away from you. God, those who have been hurt by uh, the Capital C Church would find comfort here in the local church. God, we're not perfect, um, but God, we, we do draw near to you seeking peace and reconciliation, not only with you, but with one another. God, I pray that we would grow with one another. We would see the value of the church and we would see uh, the goodness of the gospel, that good news that we would find true joy in it, um, not just for a temporary moment, uh, for all of our eternity beginning now. So God, lead us, guide us, and God, I pray that you would just bless this series and let us go out and be witnesses, uh, putting Jesus in the perspective with all those we meet. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're, we're here in Galatians. We're going to be going through the first 10 verses uh, that Liz just read to kick off this series. And this, uh, this book is, is so uh, good, and, and I'd love to say it's profound, but it's really not. It's back to basics as what Paul is, is trying to get at with the church in Galatia. Um, so he, he's writing to them because some issues have um, come up in their local church. And it's something that just, for me, it's just been heavy on my heart. And um, if you've been around, you've, you've got some experience, uh, whether it be here or maybe you've got some experience in your past and just baggage that you've been carrying along just things that have hurt you in the church and it's what we call legalism and it's those and it's what we've experienced is those who are adding to the gospel and the gospel is the very thing that set us free from bondage it set us free from the law remember Jesus didn't do away with it he fulfilled it so it's not like it's just gone away no Jesus paid the price the debt has been paid it wasn't just canceled right it was paid our debt, those who believe in Jesus, has been paid. It's been paid in full, and we'll get there. But this became a very big issue to this church. And we're going to be talking about this for uh, a couple months and, and just building week after week, going verse by verse uh, through this letter. So that's why we encourage you uh, to make sure that, again, you've got one of these scripture journals. That we got the, the cute ones this time. They're normally the black ones. Uh, I was still going to go for those because I like just like a uniform look. Um, but they were sold out. And these are the same price. And I was like, cool. I think everybody will like them. Uh, they've got some like nice artwork and designs in there. But I did notice they don't have lines. 
Uh, does that bother anybody? Any note takers? I got some, yeah, me too. <laughs> it really does. It's probably why they're the same price. They give you a cuter design without the lines. So um, that's what you get. It's give and take, right? So we'll figure out a way to take our notes together. But this is going to be a good book, and I, I want to remind you that really the, the overarching theme of this book is there is no other gospel, nothing. There's, there's no other gospel. What are we as sinners to draw near to? What good news do we have if it's not the good news of Christ? And Paul says that there's nothing. There's, there's no other news. And what happened was this church, instead of combating that, they started to, to fall back into the, their old ways, fall back into the gospel plus. So as we go through uh, these 10 verses this morning, I've got three points for us. And that's to remain firm in the faith, rebuke to false teachers, and rest in the gospel truth. Point number one, remain firm in the faith. What's really interesting about this, uh, this book is it's the only one where Paul isn't giving uh, some kind of thanksgiving directly after his opening. Uh, which is crazy, because when you read uh, his letter to the church in Corinth, he gives them thanksgiving. And they were uh, very sexually immoral people uh, within their church. It was part of their worship. They were doing despicable things. And this, uh, this church uh, was falling away from the gospel and adding to the gospel. They weren't committing these, these terrible, what the world would call terrible sins, right? We, the church, we judge a lot of those things. And it is. It's terrible. It's wicked what the church in Corinth was doing. But Paul still said how thankful he was for those brothers and sisters. But what this should do... Right, Him not having a thanksgiving following his opening should draw our attention to the seriousness of this letter. There's no time for games. When we begin to become a people who add to or take away from God's word, then we've fallen into a very troublesome trap. And Paul wanted to nip this in the bud quick, very quick. There's no time to play around with the gospel. And I want to reiterate what I talked about last week before we uh, jump in any further is, is that when we talk about adding to or taking away from the gospel, a lot of times what we, uh, the church, will do is talk about those who have, um, who have watered down the gospel in the sense of like, um, I used the example last week, well, homosexuality is okay, right? Like if you were to say that, people would be like, that church, you should never go there. I can't believe that they would say that. Those are, they are watering down the gospel. And I agree that that's not right to do. We believe that it's a sin. Now, we as a church, we are gracious and loving and go and approach them with the gospel, knowing that the gospel has the power to transform all wickedness. But this is also specifically to the Galatians, is those who were adding to those who are saying, no, you must believe in Jesus, but also do A, B, and C. If you're going to believe in Jesus, then you can't have tattoos. Let's, I'll go ahead and talk about some of these, these stereotypes, right? The, the things that got into the church that we started to add to, well, you can't have tattoos. And I get, I understand, and I'm not advocating to go and get your tattoo uh, this morning. I've got no plug for any uh, tattoo shop to go and get those. But what happened was that, that seemed like a good thing. Yes, don't, don't mark up your body. And then it became a thing, well, well, Christians shouldn't mark up their bodies. And if you mark up your body, are you really a Christian? So then every Christian who came in with a tattoo was looked at like this. 
And then uh, we, we let a lot of cultural things influence the church too, not in a negative way, like of like um, we, we let sin in, but we let like modesty things come in, like you should wear a suit and tie in church. Does everybody remember? Like Sunday, you gotta, you gotta dress your best, dress to the nines on Sunday. And now that looks different. The nines look different in 2023 than they did in 1973. And that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that 1973 was bad, right? But we let it get to a point where it's like if you didn't come in dressed to the nines then, then did you really care about Jesus? I remember visiting uh, my grandmother's church, and not during church, I just had to help her carry something. I've shared this, this story with some of you before. Um, I just had to carry something through the sanctuary to get to the back, and I think it was soup. They had their, their, their soup cook-off, and I was helping her carry that, and I had my arms full, and we step into the sanctuary, and she looks, and I had my beanie on, and she says, you shouldn't be wearing that in. It was really cold out. She's like, you're not supposed to be wearing that in here, and I just kind of like looked at her. My hands are full with your, your chicken noodle soup. What do you want me to do? And she's like, you'll, you'll be okay right now. I'm like, sweet. God will forgive me for wearing my hat in. Like, I just, I need to, I have my hands full. But those are the things that we have let in. Now, what we can do too, church, I remember this in our um, sending church back in West Virginia when we were going there. Nobody dressed in a suit and tie. And the pastor made a point. He said, how do you look at the person who wears a suit and tie? Now, you can't reverse the, the culture there and say, well, if you wear a suit and tie, are you, are you like one of those Bible-thumping believers? No, we are believers who are, who are bought by the blood of Jesus, and we shouldn't let human tradition dictate what we think about someone's salvation, right? Now, there's a lot of human tradition that's good, things that can uh, be done, things that we could even start up. But if we hold that as the standard to someone's, um, to evidence of someone's salvation, then we've just lost it. Like we could start a meal every Friday to just have a meal of thanksgiving, and then if someone didn't show up, are we going to judge them? That would be the example. That'd be a great meal to have. But if you didn't come, you're still a believer. We cannot add to the gospel. That's a little bit of we could go into a lot of those uh, different stereotypes. If you have questions along the way, you can go to newhuloh.com slash ask, send in questions. Uh, but we're going to pick up here in verse 6, uh, talking about remaining firm in the faith. Remember, there's no time for games. Paul gets right into it, no letter of thanksgiving. He tells them uh, who he is. He's got his little introduction, who he is, um, giving uh, thanks to the Lord. And then in verse 6, he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. He's astonished. He's, church, he's blown away. Paul cannot believe that they, they're going away from the gospel. He says, I'm astonished. At what? That they are so quickly, just fast, now, we're not talking decades. We're talking a short amount of time since they've heard the gospel. Paul's left. He's gone and continued his missionary journey. They are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ to turn to another gospel. Deserting the gospel, church, is to abandon the one who pursued you. That is God, right? To... To desert the gospel is to completely abandon the faith altogether. 
And in doing so, you were abandoning God. You were leaving God behind if you leave his gospel. The gospel is the good news. The gospel is, is our salvation. It's what we have faith in, what Jesus accomplished on our behalf. If we abandon that, if we don't have the gospel, we have nothing, church. Paul writes to Titus in Titus 2.11, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Church, consider what Christ did by which we were being saved. That he went to the cross. That he took our sins so that we may have life. He laid his life down so that we may live. And it says, Paul says there, he says, for the grace of God has appeared. Jesus came onto the scene. That is the grace of God in the flesh. The flesh of God coming to man to bring salvation for all people. Consider that. Consider what Jesus, as we just celebrated his birthday a few weeks ago, consider what he came to earth to do. And see, the finished work on the cross is just that, church. It is finished. Can you all say finished with me? Finished. To add to this is to abandon all the work that Jesus did. It's just, it's, it's not the same thing. And what they are doing by letting these people into their church to deceive the people and to follow those ways is to abandon the gospel and to follow a false one. It's not the same. It's not. See, my, my wife loves pepper. Any of you all love pepper? Like, not peppers, pepper, that terrible black stuff that, you know, like... The, it's like black and gray and, you know, it burns if it gets in your eyes. I learned that when I was a child by an accident, just threw it up in the air um, and all landed in my eyes. It was terrible. So how many pepper lovers? A lot of you all. All right. You all aren't going to like this. All right. So you can love it, right? All you want. But when you add it to things, you change it. You alter it, right? My wife will, will have soup and she, she does like 99.99% of the cooking. I probably count on one hand time, memorable meals that I've made for the family. And we've been married almost 10 years this, this June. So um, very little have I, I cooked. But even when my wife cooks, she'll bring me soup. She'll take a bite of hers, steaming just hot, right? And I'm waiting for mine to cool down. But she's already got a sense of the flavor. And she starts dumping pepper in. I'm like, so what is the meal now? And she's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I didn't need pepper. I needed the, t the taste at first. Because now it's something else, right? Like you make chicken paprikash, my wife will make it chicken paprikash. Like it's totally different. She just pours all this pepper on. And she used to be in this thing where she, it was salt, salt on everything. Do you remember that, Greta? Aubrey, just salt uh, on everything and a ton of it. And it just, it changes it. Now, pepper's good, but when you put so much pepper on it, it's different. Now, let me tell you, the gospel is that we are separated from God by our own nature. At birth, we are born sinners, separated from God. And the good news is that Jesus came in the flesh of man, left his throne to come to earth, to be living in a perfect life. He lived perfectly, fulfilled the law, and he took that perfect nature of his to the cross to take on the sin of man so that those who believe in him would have life. That if you believe in him, you'd be reconciled back 
to God. That's the gospel. Now, spiritual pepper, for instance, would be saying, Jesus went to the cross, and if you believe in him, you'd have life. And then you got to do this, and then you got to do that. See, the Bible says you need to, to read your Bible, but maybe you listen to your Bible. You need to read it, right? You can't just listen to it. You start to add to these things. Well, the Bible says that, that you should, uh, should delight in God's word. Well, maybe one day you're not delighting. And what's that do? It leads you to, well, I don't know. Am I even a believer? Because now I, I, some days I just don't delight in it. Some days, church, I don't delight in anything except for going back to bed. I like long for the time that I can set my alarm to go to bed. I don't set my alarm to wake up. I set my alarm to go to bed. Like That's what I need. Remind myself, go to bed, go to sleep, and enjoy it. And you had these, what they call Judaizers, coming in and they said, you, you still have to follow circumcision. You still have to follow the ceremonial laws. And those are beautiful things, church, but what they do is add to the gospel. And we can't do that. Because then it's no longer good news. It's back to bad news. Because it's dependent not on the finished work of Christ, but on the emptiness of man. Because all of our works apart from Christ are empty and are vain. We need Jesus. More of him and less of me. Why would the Bible say that if it was about us and about our works and about our doing? It's not. It's not. They needed to remain firm in the faith. See, this is a reminder. We look at this and, and we so easily become persuaded to one side or the other and, and all of us do it. It's so easy to do, but what we need to do is be persuaded to the goodness and the perfection of Jesus our Lord. And what that should do is inspire you, what James says, to good works. When we look at the cross, we are inspired by our Savior to go and to live like our Lord. Follow the graciousness of our God. And what do they abandon it for? A false gospel, Paul says. But there are some who trouble you, he says. Here, let's go back to, to verse 6 real quick. Um, him who called you in the grace of Christ and you are turning to a different gospel. And then he says in verse 7, not that there is another one. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. It's not like there's even another one. You know, like when it says you should have no other gods before your God, right? It's rhetorical because there are no other gods. Same here. Paul, like, reiterates. He's like, not that there is another gospel. Let me make it very clear. I'm saying that they want to bring to you another gospel, and, and they, they, some of you are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. There is no other gospel. It's this or nothing. Those uh, things that add or take away from the good news are bad news. This goes for those who deny sin which Christ died for or require more from those whom Christ died. Those who are distorting the gospel are doing this. They are adding to what Jesus accomplished. 
Galatians 5.1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Paul says, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Again, he's getting later into the letter, so he's don't, don't go back to this, but don't go back to the way of your nature, which is a yoke of slavery. Anything that is adding to or taking away from the gospel. And how are we going to do that? How are we going to combat that which adds or takes away from the gospel? Remain firm. Plant your feet in the good news of Jesus. Understand what Jesus came to accomplish and understand what he finished on your behalf. Another way to do that, rebuke false teachers. Point number two is the rebuke to false teachers. Paul, Paul, he starts out here. It's so important because false teachers, we talk about them a lot. Don't, don't get, listen to false teachers. All these people, they say this and this and this, and they're terrible people. And I agree they are terrible people because they shouldn't be leading God's sheep away. But what Paul does first is he hits on them. I can't believe you all are not listening to the gospel. You're turning away. And then he goes right into those who do distort the gospel. This is what they should listen to. Church, listen to this message. Those who are messing with the gospel, Paul has a message for them. Verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be what? Accursed. As we have said it before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be what? Accursed. Let him be cursed. That word is anathema. It means let him be damned. Let him literally go to the place that Christ has saved us from. Let him be separated. See, church, the severity of hindering the gospel message is at its highest. For church, the gospel message is the hope of the world that all sinners need to be reconciled to the holy God. And the way that we do that is through the way Jesus Christ, by faith in him. So literally to take away the gospel message in its, in its purity is to take away someone's hope of salvation See, no one is above this verse. Paul says, if I, if we, or an angel from heaven should do this, let us be accursed. It's the same language Paul used in Romans when he wrote, and he says, for, for my kinsmen, I, I wish that I could be cursed. Paul wished that he could be cut off so that his brothers, Jewish brothers and sisters would believe. This is serious. And it should be reminded that we are not to mess with God's word. And that's what Paul was being accused of. Paul came in and gave them the hope of the gospel. The gospel's been extended to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles were being bullied. Well, have you been circumcised? Have you followed this ceremony, that ceremony? What, what are you doing? What are your, what's your resume as, as a believer? I said, we believe in Jesus. And we don't forsake the Lord's day. And we're worshiping, we're praying. We have evidence of the Holy Spirit. And they're like, but circumcision. Paul's like, that's not what it's about. They're adding to Revelation 22, 18 and 19. says this, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues 
described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Church, the severity of adding to and taking away from God's word is the highest. It's so easy for us us Christians to to be so focused on the outside world, those who don't know Jesus, and, and we want to put on them what Jesus has told us, the church, to do. We want to go and tell them, hey, you're not living like Jesus told you. And they're like, who is Jesus? And we want to focus on that, focus on that. And we're missing the mark here. That the, that the highest warning for us as believers is don't distort my word. And the church has been doing it. And it's not us. Some of you all are like, man, did I do something wrong this week? I don't think. I've got no one on my mind. I've seen nothing on Facebook. I haven't seen anything in town. Everything is good. But what I'm saying is, is the capital C church, the ones who are supposed to be the bride of Christ, going out and witnessing to the world, is going out. We're so focused on that, but we're distorting this word. We're going out and we're like, hey, you're not living like Jesus told you. They're like, who's Jesus? He's the one who sets you free. Come in here and get more bondage. What? Yeah, come in here. Jesus has set you free, but we've got all these things that we want you to follow in order to prove who you are. This is no club. This is a family. Those who have been bought with the blood of Jesus. And some of you all might be like, is he saying that it doesn't matter how we live? No, it does matter. But what I'm saying is, is when we say, if you're a Christian, you got to do this. And we've lost what it means to be a Christian, a little Jesus Christ, anyways. And I love that, that Paul reiterates this, right? He says right there in verse 8, If anyone was to preach to you, let him be accursed. Directly after that, verse 9, As we have said before, let us now say again, If anyone is preaching you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Like Paul's like a worship leader here. You know how worship leaders just repeat stuff? Over and over, over and over. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying, Nelson? Nelson's like, we're going to do the bridge eight times, eight times, right? That's what they do. I love it, though, that he reiterates. It's like he knows immediately his, his readers are going to ask him, so he's just going to tell them again anyway, right? I'm just going to say it again. My, my children, I tell them like three times, like before they even do it again. Why? Because I know what they're going to do. So Paul reiterates, I want you to get this. This shows us the the severity of this. I say again, if anyone is preaching you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Church, do not let the beautiful picture of the gospel lose its sweetness by adding to or taking away. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 I mean, how, how can we lose focus? This is like one of the most popular two verses uh, that, that Christians have ever heard. And it's like we forget it. And we go and we add to the gospel. Paul says here, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Church, if salvation was dependent upon you, you would have a reason to boast. But we have nothing to do with our salvation. The Lord grants us faith and we believe and we use this this new life in Christ to glorify him and to praise him and to go out and to do good works because of our salvation. We don't do good works for our salvation.
We've got to understand that difference. Do not lose the sweetness. It says, for while we were still sinners, Christ died. Christ didn't die because we were good, because we needed to do something. He died while we were still sinners. Our salvation is not of works. Those saying otherwise will answer to God if they don't repent. And they will not be united to the Lord if they do not repent. Why? Because the gospel plus is not the gospel at all. See, when it's the gospel plus this good work or the gospel plus that good work, it's not the gospel. Those who believe in the gospel do good works. Amen, church? We believe in being sanctified. We believe in forsaking our sin and and taking all of our issues to the cross. We believe in taking up our cross daily. We believe in, in repenting of our sins, confessing our sins to one another. We believe in all that. We should be doing it. And let us take a serious reevaluation if we're not. But it is not the gospel plus. This is good news. Nelson came and he told me some good news this past week, and he was just on another level, right? Like, you know, like those friends, you're like, (laughs) something's going on. You're like super hyper, super excited. And I said something to him again um, yesterday or, or Friday, and I was like, man, you were really hyper the other day. And he finally shared with me the good news, and I'm like, oh, That's why you were so happy. Like, I I could not match your energy because I didn't have that same joy from that good news. That good news didn't affect me. Well, church, the good news of Jesus Christ is the only good news of salvation. There is no other good news of salvation that brings great joy to people who were once separated from God that can be reconciled by faith in the finished work of the Messiah. So those who receive that good news have and share the same energy, the same joy, because we have the same hope and faith in Christ Jesus. Are you all following along? Because what I'm saying is that we have been saved by the same God, Jesus And if we add to or take away from that gospel, it is a different gospel altogether. We cannot get away from that message. And if we do, we will not have the same joy. One leads to a joy of eternal life and the other will lead to damnation and separation for all of eternity. So church, rest in the gospel truth. Point number three. He has this warning, this stern warning, this rebuke to those who would distort the gospel and be false teachers. And he ends here teaching us that we need to rest in the gospel truth. Church, whether it's by uh, your life example or your witness to others, rest in the gospel. What I mean by that is literally in your one-on-one devotion with God, rest in the gospel truth. Whether it's you going out and witnessing to your neighbors or someone in the community or someone overseas and you're sharing the gospel, church, rest in the gospel truth. And your message, but also your presentation That your presentation could be the worst, and that's probably the day that God's going to save somebody. Because guess what? It is not about us. Not in our salvation, but not in our presentation. It is about God displaying his power through your weakness. So rest in that gospel truth. See, part of the accusation against Paul was that he was preaching an easy gospel to appease man. I like read that verse and, and I read some commentaries and thought about it. I'm like, man, Paul, I feel you, man. I feel you on these accusations of preaching an easy gospel. And here's what Paul says in verse 10. He says, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I are still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Church, I've had way too many hard conversations calling people out on sin to ever be accused of preaching an easy gospel. 
Church, we've had people come through this church and leave because I've had conversations with them about sin because it's something we need to do. But you know what I've also done? I've had people tell me that we're too gracious and too kind. And it's, that's the gospel message is that God is a gracious God who left his throne to save his people. And the sternest warnings and the most like angry we ever saw Jesus in his life was with the church. Because he says, I'm coming back in judgment. That will be the day that I judge. But for today, Jesus preached the gospel, gracious, good news that sinners can be saved. That's not an easy message, but it's the true message. It is gracious. It's so easy to get caught up in, in doing A, B, and C, but when we add those things to the gospel, it's not the gospel. Rest in the gospel truth that Jesus came and he died so that we may have life. You won't find any rest anywhere else other than the true finished work of Jesus. Let's go here and look. Ben, you can go ahead and come back up. I want to end here in John 20, or 19, verse 30. It says, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He said to Telestai, he said, it is paid in full. And, and it's, a, it's a debt term. That word to Telestai, it's the same thing as paid in full. Like if, if you all have ever, we've talked about this before, this is no new illustration, but if you all have ever uh, been so blessed to pay off your house and you got some stamped work and it said paid in full, that's what it is. You were indebted to the Father, a debt that you couldn't pay, a debt that I couldn't pay, a debt that we collectively couldn't pay one person's debt off with. Like we couldn't collectively together, and this isn't because of he's, he's worse than all of us, but we couldn't put all of our good works together to save this brother. We couldn't put all of our good works together to save me, to, to save anybody. What? We could, we could, we could, we could, no. let him be, a, no, no, you can't, you can't try. Why? Because we rest in the finished work of Jesus. And that, that sounds so easy, right? Like, that's, that, you're being so gracious, Mike. No, us believers, we need to be sanctified. We need to be conformed into the likeness of Christ. And that's a difficult process. It's, it's trying. We, we would love to give into our flesh. But if I were still trying to please man, church, you know where I would be personally? I'd be back home in West Virginia. I'd be pastoring, be an associate pastor at our sending church. I'd be working my way up the corporate ladder because that was easy. That was an easy way for me to please man. You know what's not easy? is following the voice of the Lord. When he's leading and guiding you and telling you to, to act in faith and to sacrificially do something. It's difficult, right? Maybe you all have uh, been on the receiving end of, of, of this before. You, you preach an easy gospel. And it's, what it's done is it's kind of, maybe, maybe you've, you've been led to believe that you're not worthy or you're not a good enough Christian. You don't do enough as a Christian. Let me tell you, you are worthy you are made in the image of God, and everybody in all creation has value and dignity because of that. And those of you who have been bought by the blood of Jesus, you've repented of your sins and believed you are worthy. Maybe you've been led to believe that you're not a smart enough Christian. You've been a Christian 20 years, and you don't know that. Maybe someone's kind of like looked at you like that before. It's led a lot of Christians into to silent Bible studies. 
where groups don't seem fun anymore because there's a newer Christian that knows more than them, or there's um, an overwhelming Christian that, that expects more from them. Let me tell you something. If we keep having that mentality, no Christian's going to grow, and no church is going to grow. The kingdom of God, most importantly, isn't going to grow. What we need to do is begin to, to reevaluate how we're living out our Christian life. Are we teaching people to remain firm in the faith? Trust in the gospel. Remain firm when life gets tough, when people are telling you otherwise. Remain firm. Are we rebuking false teachers? Are we resting in the gospel? And then we can begin to have the discussions. How can I help you grow? Like, what, what is something that you want to know more about? We talked about this last week. Have you all identified that thing that you want to know more about this year? You want to know more about prayer? Do you want to know more about how God created uh, the world? Do you want to know more about the Trinity, the hypostatic union? Uh, that's a big word that I, I had to research a million times. And uh, it's just, it's how the, the Trinity works together, how uh, each person of the Trinity uh, works and how they're one being but three persons. It's crazy, right? It's mind-blowing. Have you identified that thing? That one thing that you want to learn and know more about? Because you should, right? You should want to know more. You should learn more. And we should be willing to help one another grow in that. See, many of you all are 50 years into your faith and you're giants, right? Like just spiritual giants. That's awesome. How are you using that wisdom and knowledge and practice to invest it into the next generation? We got brothers and sisters all around us that, that need poured into. And we got brothers and sisters, each and every one of you all needs invested in, but you need to invest in two as well. Get plugged into a group. Try and help people. Do go to a coffee shop, a rock gym, climb a, a rock wall. I don't. Have you ever done any witnessing on a rock? Oh, not open yet. Yeah, <laughs> not open yet. Yeah, that would be. You can go help a paint and witness, and and yeah, there you go. Awesome. Uh, but but do life together. Invest in one another. Love one another. But church, most importantly, there is no other gospel. If someone tells you otherwise, rebuke them. If you start to believe otherwise, reevaluate your heart. Let's stand up. We're going to worship our God. Let's praise him because there's no other gospel. There's no other hope that we have outside of the good news of Jesus. And that's not easy. That's just truthful. Father, we thank you so much for the gospel of Christ. Lord, I pray right now for those that believe in you, God, that they would be sanctified and encouraged um, into your likeness. They'd be encouraged by this good news. God, to those who are hurting and like have, have really just, they needed maybe this foundation this morning from your word to know that they are worthy, they are enough. We do need to grow, but God, we need to encourage one another to that growth, love one another, and not beat one another. God, I pray that this will be a good time for them to begin evaluating and discerning uh, the next steps. And Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, God, would you just draw them to yourself? Would you lead them into repentance and faith in your son this morning? God, I pray as we look into the week ahead of us, God, I pray that we would um, be actively pursuing uh, obedience by your word, not by man's tradition, but by your word. What your word says, God, it goes. And I pray that we would reflect that in our life. Lord, just uh, thank you for loving us. Thank you for allowing us to be your bride, to be your people. And Lord, I pray that we would go out this week and just invest and sow seeds. Lord, we would just, just see you uh, reaping the harvest. God, that you would just raise up uh, new believers. You would raise up new leaders. Um, and Lord, just you would just use them to glorify yourself. Lord, we pray for those who are missing. God, would you just bless them, be with them. 
Uh, let them fill your spirit this morning. And God, we just pray again just for your will to be done here in Medina and through this local expression of your church. Father, we pray for um, the offering this morning, God, that you would bless it, multiply it, and use it for our good and your glory. Father, you receive all the glory here at this church. It's in Jesus' name we pray.